Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown, because this week's episode starts in three two, one. Welcome everybody to the Mother Loving Future Show. It's Amber and Jenna here. And today we are exploring the world of clairvoyance and baby whispering with Sufi Eta. Please excuse all that drilling you you can hear in the background. Um, We're just going to keep it real in this episode. Thank you, Sufi, for joining us. We are so excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is a hoot. (laughs) <laughs> we love a hoot. Jenna, have you got a definition for us? Yes, I do. So this episode is called Clairvoyant Baby Whispering. And uh, my definition is when you experience a sudden and unexplainable change with your baby and need to know what the little bean is experiencing, or if you feel like you need to better understand your offspring, but they cannot yet communicate with you, then maybe clairvoyant baby whispering is just the thing you need. Amazing. I Excellent. love that. Sufi, do you have anything to add to that beautiful definition? Uh, It's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) And I would add, though, that uh, my mission is to inspire mothers to know and trust their new awakening and their deep connection, intuitive connection, especially heightened in those first six weeks of postpartum, that they can do what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The maternal, mm, the maternal intuition is such a vast force. Uh, I and, can completely agree with that. And don't you think with motherhood, it initiates that deep core intuition even more. I found my psychic abilities just shot through the roof when I birthed. Uh, I don't know about you guys. But yes, yes, mm. completely. And you know, it scares, it scares some And they don't know what to do with it. And I think a lot of postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression can be connected to this new window opened up for some Mm. and their discomfort with it. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, you know, just going off that, like when you do have that window open, but you're denying it or you're scared of it. I mean, in my life, when I've denied stuff like that, it has caused anxiety and depression in me. So that could be another source. Perfect. Yeah. Um, totally. Oh, I can't wait to get into this. Uh, before we get a little bit further, let me tell you a little bit about Sufi. So Sufi Air Tours experiences as an assistant midwife and doula, as well as her early travels with her father throughout Africa, Nepal, where he set up midwifery clinics for the UN, uh, led her to recognize that a lot more was going on behind the scenes at birth and during postpartum than meets the eye. She noticed that loss and grief can affect birth and postpartum outcomes. She then discovered that giving those aspects a voice would often change the terrain of the physical and the outcome. Sufi has worked with over 800 families postpartum and has attend over, attended over 500 births since 2001. She has also had an active practice as a clairvoyant reader and intuitive since 2012. And Sufi combines her work as an intuitive to reveal the inner life of babies and mothers that many doubt. 
In a reading, she is able to troubleshoot issues, share messages from the little one, as well as share the essence of who your baby is as a soul and how you may want to proceed and interact to serve your baby best. Sufi mentored under Cheryl McCormick and James Vanderprog, and she is CAPPA certified and located in Culver City, California, but she's able to do sessions anywhere in the world uh, via Skype and the internet. Um, and you can find her at, spir at Spirit Baby Whisperer or at www.joynavigation.com. We are so happy to have you, Sufi. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is great. And Thank by the you. way, I just have to say, guys, I had a baby whispering session with Sufi and it blew my mind. So legitimate, so fascinating, so insightful. I'm so grateful, Sufi, for you. Like doing that reading for me really helped a lot. A lot of unsolved mysteries all came together. So we'll get oh, into that lovely. a little bit later. I can't but, yeah, wait I just, for that. I thank you. Yeah, it, it seriously was unbelievable. So let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. Sufi, when did you first discover your, clairvo your clairvoyant abilities? Well, I've always had it uh, off and on. It sort of runs through my family as well. But I just um, also have very, uh, very, I'm very practical too. And I, I just wanted to be a midwife. And I was a doula for a short time in the beginning. And then I was like, I'm going to be a midwife. And we did 40 home water births in three months in my apprenticeship. And uh, we were at a very long birth um, where this crucial piece really came in at this birth was um, about to transport client, a long push, long labor. And I was alone with um, the client in her bathroom and I felt overcome by the presence of her grandmother. And I knew nothing about uh, her grandmother passing, but I just really felt like I, I, I either have to share this or um, this pressure is not going to stop. And it just felt like a pressure behind my neck. And um, I said, look, you know, I feel your grandmother's here and I keep hearing her say something. And can I share that with you? And she said, yes, yes, please. My grandmother died a year ago. I've been in grief and mourning that she's not been here at this at my birth. Please, whatever she has to say, I want to hear it. And it was very simple. I didn't think much of it, but I said, you know, she's saying your hands in hers always. And my client stood up, screamed, and she started crowning. And she'd been pushing for like three to four hours. Uh -huh. And the midwives rushed in and they caught the baby and she had her home birth. Oh my gosh. And so a year later, I run into this client at the farmer's market and she says, oh, oh, so are you a clairvoyant? Are you doing this work now? Are you a medium? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be a midwife. And she said, well, you really should take this seriously because that changed my life. And I was like, great. I live in Los Angeles. Who am I going to study with? I think I, it started to get stronger and stronger. Who do I study with? And so I searched with no luck because this was a while back. And um, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was told, okay, this is who you should study with. This is what she looks like. 
talk to your therapist. Your therapist knows her. So I went to my therapist and I said, look, because I'd already asked my therapist, any leads? Who should I study with? What should I do with this? Um, and my therapist, I described this woman, my dream, and uh, my therapist kind of turned white and just handed me her number. I said, you know this woman and all your people study with her. I'd like her number, please. Hmm. And that's how I started studying with with Cheryl McCormick. And I mentored with her for seven years. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Jinx. That's incredible. And such powerful and undeniable experiences that sort of led you on this path, which is not a path that's very carved out. Like I cannot think of anybody else who has walked this path that you're walking specifically. So uh, you're, you know, you're path cutting. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm a little bit, I'm my poor guides and inspirers. I mean, they've had to drag me around because (laughs) (laughs) I tend to dig my heels in and be like, ah, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the work chooses you, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. okay. So well, I want to know what a session is usually like with with Sufi. Sure. Uh, Amber, or do you want me to start? Because <laughs> it's oh different gosh, for everybody. Yeah. The individual is key. So I address each session differently and it's all about the individual because I I never know where it's going to go until I'm in it. Well, should we just, is this a good time to like start talking about the session with Winnie? Because I'm at the edge of my seat to know what happened. Sure. Well, I kind of want to get the basics out first. I want to know how Sufi receives the clairvoyant information so I can really get a a foundational understanding of her work and then let's go into the session. Sure. Sure. So first, there are two books that really uh, have guided and inspired my work, Um, Spirit Babies um, by Mr. McCutcheon and... uh, Talking to Babies by Miriam Sager. Miriam Sager decreased infant mortality rate by half at her stay at a Parisian hospital, their main hospital there, just by talking to babies. And um, in Spirit Babies, Mr. McCutcheon was a medium in England, and um, he started to notice and receive messages from babies uh, so a lot of that has shaped my work. Technically, I'm trained as a medium, but I prefer um, it's gotten bigger and wider than that. And I prefer clairvoyant, intuitive. But technically, I have what's called I have all five clairs. I see, hear, feel. Um, there's clairaudience, clairsentience, there's all the clairs. I taste even during a reading. Mm-hmm. I employ everything in my toolbox to receive information from babies, whether that's preconception, pregnancy, even up into toddlerhood. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have a question for you because I, I know a, tr- a lot of intuitives often are are incorrect about babies. I know when Amber was pregnant, for example, this woman came up to her and said, you know, I am, I am, I'm psychic. I know everything about when a mom is pregnant, like you are having a boy. And then Amber ended up having a girl. So can you speak to that at all? Yes. Yes. And, um, 
Walter talks about that in his book, Spirit Babies. So there's so much going on on the other side that gender, even gender can flip and also in a bigger way. Um, when I see a soul, they're male and female. Totally. Because we embody both. So if I'm looking at you, I get it right sometimes, but sometimes I get it wrong mm -hmm. as far as gender. Mm -hmm. But I am always tell people before reading, look, I may not get the gender right, but when I see your soul, your, your baby's soul, I'm seeing them perhaps how they've presented in lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so disclaimer, I do talk about past lives in my readings, but I want to say that I don't really believe it's all linear. I really mm -hmm. believe our souls are huge and like this big diamond with many facets and we're living many lifetimes at once in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. And what we're focused on this lifetime in this moment, but we may have other experiences going on. So sometimes souls have had more times in the masculine than they have had in the feminine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels a baby can feel very masculine, but it's a female in the physical. Mm -hmm. It's just how I think a lot of people don't, are, don't always um, take that into consideration that, oh, like look at Yogananda. He's very dual. Like he looks both feminine and masculine all at once. A lot of the saints and uh, mystics have that quality. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I think, what's going on there. I, that's very well said. I, I agree with all of that. And Sufi, is there a, a common window where you feel a soul enters the body of a baby? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a, a, for me. Now, everything I'm talking about today is my experience and just my opinion. Take it or leave it. But for me, in the birth room or postpartum, um, and even meeting with clients while they're pregnant, I see it all over the place. And during readings, I've experienced babies entering at six months gestation. I've seen babies come in right at crowning. For me, I'm just seeing it many different places. It's so individual. Mm -hmm. Like babies themselves. There's no, everybody's different. I yes. love that. Yes. Such a great philosophy to apply to every element of a human. Yeah. It's all just spontaneous. There's no one formula that fits all. Love uh, that. Absolutely not. Yes. And do you see where the soul comes from before it enters the, the physical form? Yes. So at a, two births particularly, um, both were at Cedars. <laughs> hmm. It wasn't a home birth, but at Cedars, it's funny. The two births that really were profound for me was um, because I would peek on the other side. Now, um, I am very much a fan of everybody being grounded in the room at a birth. You don't need a psychic at your birth. You need a very grounded doula at your birth. Mm -hmm. And I am never ever one to take a woman's journey away from her because the birth journey is such a huge teacher. Um, I've had some clients ask if I could foresee whether they're going to have a C-section or not. Or I said, I will never tell you, even if I saw it, I would never tell you because that's taking your journey away from you. I'm a fan of the human journey, birth mm -hmm. and death. Everybody should be in the room grounded and present. But sometimes at crowning, I do take a peek behind the curtain. And this one birth, 
this was a very um, Caucasian couple, family. But behind the scenes, their baby had this huge, what looked like an Indian wedding or celebration. Hmm. There were marigolds and like elephants and like, I know I'm going to sound like a crazy person right now, but I'm getting this visual of what looked like this huge Indian, Eastern Indian celebration. You don't sound crazy at all. Okay, good. And so it was really interesting that that's one background that I saw. So at another birth, I peeked again behind the curtain at crowning and um, it was a whole different experience. It was a very old gentleman in a, in a in a beautiful trench coat and hat from like the 40s it seemed mm-hmm. to me he was very stately had a cane this is the image i'm being given mm-hmm. and this is the soul that's kind of like coming in and i didn't share any of this with any of my clients uh, i just you, was taking a peek do you think that would be like the most previous past life or do you think it's deeper than that this he was giving me a signature um, so I take, I don't always take the visuals as literal. Mm-hmm. I take them as information. So mm-hmm. his information to me was like, I like order. I like, I like to be well-dressed, well-groomed. Mm-hmm. I am, I demand respect. I need things to be presented slowly and easily. Like I get, I take mm-hmm. that visual and my assumptions about that visual and um, that's how I place it. Interesting. And perhaps he was in the 40s, this man. Yeah, because but, the yeah. 40s is a specific time period. You know what I mean? I feel mm-hmm. like, who knows, the, the great mysteries. But just interesting how the information comes through. And Sufi, do you always see the soul in a past life or through that symbology? Do you ever get a peek into like source energy floating through the cosmos? <laughs> you know, not a life on Earth? Or is it? always past lives i've gotten a lot of uh i see elementals and i see a lot of earth stuff as well but um also the whole star um and i'm terrible so i don't know a lot about astrology and i don't know a lot about star nations or anything like that but i do feel there's something profound within the stars and when i've ever done any sort of um uh, work with uh, other students that I'm working with or studying teachers I've studied with and we connect in with the stars uh, there's something there that feels nostalgic to me like mm. oh my people are over there yeah your people probably are over there uh, but I don't even know what that means I just was at like I was at the um, science center downtown and there were all these images of the galaxy and I just was struck. I almost started crying, like some galaxy here or there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, something about the stars for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're definitely a star, baby. And uh-huh. I, I know that you offer something in your work called a soul cartography, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about a soul cartography? Yes, yes. So I spent... Um, I spent some time in Bali and, um, you know, I lived in Nepal uh, for off and on for three years. And uh, in Nepal and Tibetan medicine specifically, they used to give prescriptions showing the image of a physical body. 
So a lot of times when I'm doing a reading, I'll do a body scan for clients and I will sort of see energetically what's going on. And Tibetan monks sort of do the same thing. And in Tibetan medicine, they won't just write something out. Uh, they will they will have a visual of the human body and they draw all these different um, this herb suggestions, they show you in the drawing where your weaknesses are, and same in Bali. In Bali, it's more stylized. So I just was so inspired by that, and so I just started experimenting, and I created a template um, to uh, express what I was seeing in readings. And so now I'm doing baby soul maps, sibling soul maps. Um, so what it is, is um, I'll be in Palm Springs, January 2nd, um, at this amazing shop. I can give you, it'll be on my website if people want more information about it. But I do speed cartography, so you can come in, get a 30-minute session, and um, I'll give you three messages and do the speed mapping based on my template. Or you can do a full-blown soul map or cartography, and you get a full readout of all the symbols and what they mean and what I saw from your reading. Amazing. So, you know how you said the Tibetans, they draw a picture of the body and then they map it out. How do you draw a picture of the soul? Well, I call it soul cartography, and the soul presents to me in symbols. So mm -hmm. that's why uh, that's so the the images that I create. So, for example, um, I just did a piece for a reader and a Reiki master, uh, and so her map had just tons of uh, lots of yellow coming in from above going through her body in different ways. But then I find readers can have, and healers can have a lot of bowel or intestinal issues. And so there was all this stuff that I drew in the intestinal area. Mm. Or I did another map, um, and this freaked my client out. When I did the map, um, so what I do is I chant the person's birth name while I'm drawing. And it's continually chanting. And while I'm chanting their birth name, I get the images that I should include. Interesting. And so this one map, I kept seeing put all these black dots in her lung area. And I was like, this is terrible. I don't want to add that. But I just kept hearing, nope, add it. So I stylized and added it. And then when I met with her over her map, I said, look, I had resistance around putting this in here. I don't think you have lung cancer. She goes, no, no, no. I know what that is. And she just, uh, she, a week after seeing me to order the map, she found out she had black mold in her house. Oh. She was getting very sick. They found high levels of black mold in her blood and in her lungs. Oh, my God. Whoa. So would you say this is a way for the soul to be communicating with the human? Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. just a stylized reading. It's a stylized way of expressing a reading. Oh, so fascinating. Love it. Should we get back to the baby whispering? I'm, I'm wondering, is there a very common worry or issue you see amongst babies who have just joined us that they want to communicate to their parents? Yes, babies don't want perfect mothers. Oh, thank God. Thank goodness. I know. High five. We're good then. <laughs> because it, it, it discounts their own humanity. If my mother has to have everything right, 
then I have to have everything right. And it's a big burden. It's a big stress. Now, look, mothers, babies just want their moms to be happy. And babies want their moms and dads to see them. And uh, a part of why I do this work is I, I like to joke uh, uh, next life or next incarnation. Um, I, I hope to come in as second baby and with a twin. But I joke about that <laughs> because the first babies, like there's whole books written about the first child. The first child born really brings in and um, it sorts out a lot of karmic aspects for the family and for mom but it, it can be tricky and, and moms put so much pressure on themselves and r- my work really is to dispel the idea of the blank slate and so babies want to be seen and it has to go beyond the study by Yale this is on 60 Minutes there's a study by Yale saying babies show preference at two months old Well, ask any doula or mother. You can see preference in a baby the first week. I know when a baby doesn't want something put in their mouth, they roll their eyes, they have an expression. So babies want to be seen and they don't want their parents to try and be perfect. They want to be met. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So important. I see that every single moment when I'm with Winnie, all she wants is for me. She'll be whinging because I'm, I've got her in her little bouncy seat and I'm running around doing the dishes, this and that over to her and lock eyes. And then she'll stop, stop her, her communicating, not just whinging. And she'll look at me and she'll just bust out this smile Uh and then she'll go, Ooh, ah, And she'll talk to me and she'll tell me what she wants. But really, she's just asking for presence, to know that you're there, you're listening, you see her, as you mentioned, Sufi. And, um, yeah, it's quite remarkable when you start to decode your baby's communication to you because then things become smoother all of a sudden. You know, if they need a nappy change, if they just need to be comforted, if they need food if they need a burp is I can now understand all the different languages and I know when she's just wanting to be with me as well just to experience yeah. me and her and that's it yeah I always like to remind parents too that uh to remind baby that mommy and daddy carry the big feelings because a lot can go on and um I had an experience postpartum where a mom I had worked with and a family I'd worked with for three months and everything was like clockwork, something was going on that day with her little one she knew wasn't normal. And I've talked about this before, and, but um, there, there was the anniversary of mother's dad's passing. Their night nurse's father was just diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the night before, my client's husband was working on their will. So baby was panicking, thinking his father was dying. So I came in, put baby on the table where all change is possible, the changing table, like <laughs> I like to say. And I said, I said, what are you concerned about? And I got that death piece. I got a visual of, or, and I heard my daddy's dying. So I asked mom and she said, no, no, no all this, just what I just said, this is what's going on. And all I had to do was say to little one, your daddy's safe. Your daddy is fine. 
this is what's going on. And you're not to carry these feelings. Mommy and daddy carry the big feelings. Your job is to eat, play, and grow. And then he went onto the breast and slept for four hours and was okay. So really explanation and telling our babies what's going on and explaining you know, just explaining everything makes them, they don't understand the language perhaps, but they feel you. That was a huge lesson that I took away from our reading together, Sufi. And it made such sense to me when you told me, have you explained to Winnie what all those big noises are? She's asking, what are those huge sounds that are coming out of the house? They're worrying her. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't sat her down and given her a tour of the home and said, they're renovating the house. That's a sledgehammer. That's a a (laughs) drill, whatever it may be. And it made sense that, of course, I should explain to her what these these noises are. Um, But I didn't think about doing that when she originally arrived. I'm just like, oh, she's just a baby. You know, she she won't care or no. But no, you're completely correct in involving them and communicating with them because they do sense energetically what's going on and they want answers, I'm sure. And I feel like when energies are are present and the, the child doesn't have answers, and I feel like this happens mostly with the oldest sometimes, like you were saying before, I know this happened to me, I was the oldest, and I'm processing a lot actually from my own childhood around big feelings that were never explained to me. And I got the impression of those feelings, but I never got an understanding of them. And so then having all these sort of big feelings within me as a child, and even still the residual effects of that, and having and not you know, causing anxiety or feelings of just not knowing what that was, you know, so just interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it, um, I always tell clients to testify, testify. So I got this from horseback riding. I'm a, I'm a big equestrian. I'm a horse nerd. Cool. And uh, I used to lead some trail rides and I would take friends out and I had a midwife friend with me and she was having a real problem with this horse she had. And I said, you have to testify. And a lot of my ideas come from natural horsemanship. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, something's going on with you. You got to tell the horse what's going on and then he'll let you on on his back. And she did. She's like, she just started crying and started saying this and this and that. And sure enough, his nervous system settled because hers settled. She was able to get on the horse. And I was like, I think this is true of babies too. And I started to play with that. And it's that's what happens that when you're explaining something they settle oh mom has me mom has me like and, and it tell it tell it's telling me what's going on i'm in the loop and i can testify to that after our session i took winnie i gave her a tour of the house and i said you hear those noises you don't need to worry about them that's just the guys working on the house everything's okay you're safe in here after that day, she started just going to sleep with the noise rather than huh. waking up and freaking out and wanting me to pick her up huh. and I would have to rock her back to sleep. She was just falling asleep by herself in the crib after I gave her that tour. And I believe she understood and all of a sudden knew what was going on and it wasn't a threat because she understood it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can we talk about your session yet? Yes. Okay. Yes. So (laughs) busting at the chops. I want to know, like, from the beginning, what? what, How does it go down? Okay. So 
and and chime in here, Sufi. So, sure. so I'm not sure how you prep for a session, Sufi, but I just all we were we I we were across the phone. So Sufi had not seen my home. She didn't know anything about me. She hadn't spoken to. She knew nothing about my birth. Nothing about Winnie. Nothing at all. Correct, Sufi. Correct. I love being blind at going into a reading. I do not want to know anything about my clients. Okay, great. So that's how we started. All I gave Sufi was Winnie's um, name at birth and then my name. Correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. That's all we started with. And so uh, Sufi then connected, I'm assuming, through a meditation. She somehow grounded herself, dropped in and connected to Winnie's higher self. And then she was an open vessel to receive any message that Winnie's higher self wanted communicated to me. And so one of the first things that Winnie wanted to communicate which made me tear up because it was just so profound and it was really something that was weighing on me, which I hadn't really expressed to anyone. Winnie said, what she wants, Sufi said to me, Winnie wants to talk about the choking and will that happen again? Because that really scared her. Hmm. Was there some kind of choking incident? And when Winnie was born, she came out choking because I had a super short umbilical cord. It was wrapped around her body and her neck and it was short. And so, and she wasn't, she was bouncing back. She would crown and then bounce back because the, the cord was so tight. So when she came out, it really just went, (laughs) really just choked her like a noose around the neck. And my midwife grabbed her and flipped her around and she's quite a sensitive, sweet, dainty soul. So I can imagine that type of entrance was really scary. And the message was, is that going to happen again? Is that something that happens here? Should I be prepared for that to happen any second? And then Sufi said to me, have you explained your birth to Winnie? Have you spoken through the birth story with her? Maybe you should sit her down and talk about it with her and tell her what happened and reassure her that that's not going to happen again. So she just can have some relief around that trauma. So that to me, that was the first thing that (laughs) Sufi said. And there's no way she could have known that Winnie came out choking. So for me, that was like, wow, so profound already. Wow. I have to interject something really quick. So Sufi, you know, like my kids, I, there with my daughter, there was also a birth trauma of a different sort, for example. And like now that my children are a little bit older, and for those listening who might have children who are a little older, is it ever too late to, to have that conversation? Do you think it would still be effective when they're, when they're children or when they're older? Or does it need to be like in the baby stage? Oh, it's never too late. Uh, you know, never too late. I think it's important for everyone to talk about the birth. Um, It's really helpful. I had a reading recently where a three-year-old was having sleep issues and that three-year-old had been in the NICU and um, needed to hear the birth story. And mom just talking about the birth story really helped the sleep. Interesting. For the three-year-old. So never too late. Okay, good. Thank God. (laughs) That's always comforting to hear. So the next thing that really struck me as, wow, the day before I had the session, 
Valentine had his first dentist appointment, which was very traumatizing for everyone. Oh, yeah. And I had both kids in the car by myself. Winnie is not a fan of the car. Most babies aren't, I think, because they can't see or feel or hear the mama. And they're strapped and she was, down. They're strapped down so tight, you know? And they, yeah, no yeah. one. No one likes being strapped down, right? So Winnie was screaming her head off and Valentine reached over and held her hand in the car and she stopped screaming. She was wailing and he held her hand. She stopped screaming. She looked at him and she just bust open this beautiful gummy smile. And Valentine said to me, mommy, she likes it when I hold her hand. And I said, yeah, just keep holding her hand. She loves it. She loves you. Sufi said in the reading, okay, Winnie's wanting me to tell you that she really, really loves it when Big Brother holds her hand. It makes her feel grounded. It makes her feel safe. And those two have had many, many times together in past lives. So there's a sense of connection and safety and knowing and joy when they're together. And that I was like, whoa, okay, there's no way she could have known that. (laughs) So that, that was incredible. And then she told me that Winnie refers to Valentine, her big brother, as Hawk. And Valentine, this, the moment when he was born, Valentine has been completely obsessed with, with this little child. And he's not obsessed with anyone really, except Winnie. And he's been very protective and is really there with her. And it, it was interesting that her name for him was Hawk. And you said, Sufi, that Hawk is also a name that you're familiar with that refers to clairvoyance and being able to see beyond just the the standard things in this world. Yes. And yes. Valentine, as we know, Jenna, is definitely a little clairvoyant creature. He always has been extremely sensitive, and with that sensitivity comes the capacity to see and feel things beyond the, the one-dimensional reality, two-dimensional reality. Three-dimensional, and but it's cool. Three-dimensional reality, all of that into the fourth. Um, and what else did you say? I mean, so much stuff. You saw our past lives together. You saw that Winnie was a Japanese sugarcane worker, um, in Hawaii and really had used her hands for so long and that it was a really rough kind of labor intense existence. And that, that's part of the reason why she chose this family is because she was willing to work harder what she loved, but she didn't want that same type of work again. Like the manual labor. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and Supi says she'll probably have a fascination with her hands. And I look over to Winnie and she's like googly eyeing her beautiful <laughs> little elegant hand. Um, and then she said, she wants me to tell dad to calm down and take it slow and that she sees him moving at the speed of light and Carrie I Mm. swear to you (laughs) has been up at 5 a.m out running out of the door back at midnight just go 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 crazy crazy time we just it's just been insane and Winnie picked up on that and he jumps in kisses her runs out and he doesn't see her for another day so that was crazy um and then what else can you remember anything else profound I mean there was so much great stuff in this reading um well Carrie I I talked about um 
carry some more and um, just about motorcycles and um, lung stuff. But just uh, I check, I do the baby readings, but I check in sort of around the whole family too. Like what's going on over here? What's going on over there? Uh, But by far, um, I loved that there was this whole Bedouin tribe aspect to all of you. That was fascinating. Wait, tell me about that. <laughs> what, that what do you mean? Better. So we were nomads in a past life running a scarcity program <laughs> where we uh-huh. were just survivalists. And I loved your message because we're going through a pretty intense time in our personal life right now. And um, Carrie does have, he's so pragmatic and he's so responsible and he's in this zone of how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to, you know, X, Y, Z. And, um, it seems to Sufi's message was the scarcity program he's running doesn't come from this life. It comes from many, many lifetimes where we've been survivalists and we've all lived past lives together. And Winnie was really the leader in this nomadic survivalist kind of tribe. Wait, she was? And yeah, she was kind of like the boss. <laughs> and that she's been a man many times in a past life. Oh, and maybe so that's why the psychic told you she was going to be a boy. Maybe. And ah. she said that, Sufi said that Winnie's most likely to be a bit of a tomboy in this life because she has like played out the masculine role in many past lives and being a bit of a leader. And she's a bit of the Joan of Arc um, vibes where she's on a mission. She wants to get out there and save the world and do everything she can. And that she has to learn to, to crawl before she walks. And she has to kind of take her time as well because she just wants to get up and do it all straight away. Wonder where she gets that from as well. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, she said, oh, I can just hear her crying right now. Poor little baby. Um, what is she trying have- to say, Sufi? What's that baby <laughs> trying to say? She wants to be a part. She wants to be with us and she wants to talk too. She's like, hey, 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 hey. I want to uh-huh. be in there. Well, I, she can come. I mean, like she's part of this episode. I might actually bring her in here and just put her on the boob. You guys entertain yourself for 30 seconds. I'm going to go get her because she's been, she's been calling out for a while. Oh, dude, do. Okay, um, I wanted to just, yeah. yeah, I wanted to mention uh, about the fruit does not fall far from the tree. So a lot of my postpartum clients will ask, and even my reading clients will ask, why is my baby like this? And I will say, how were you when you were little? Oh, I was just like that. Well, there you go. And I was like, so there you go. There it is. The fruit does not fall far from the tree. But a lot of us, especially with parenting, we want to do it right. We want to do it really well. And we don't want our kids to have chaos. And every time I'm like that with my son, I have to take a moment and be like, hmm, how was I at this age? Oh, yeah. Yep. Just like that. Just like that. Well, let me ask you off that, like, because, you know, we've already discussed how each soul is such an individual with their own um, individual soul imprint, soul history, and all of that. And how does it come to be that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Because, you know, since the mother and the child or whatever would be so different and potentially different in soul history, um, do you do you find that kind of like in the Amber Carey, Winnie, Valentine situation that, you know, that we're often sort of a little pack that travels together through time or and that's how we kind of de- develop these similarities or do you think it's genetic or how do you explain that? Well, I really feel that 
each soul comes in for a new chapter of their soul diamond or their whole soul library. Right. And so, yes, they're going to come in with their own stuff, but they're also coming in for the chapter of you. Hi, Winnie. Hello. Hi, Winnie. You're part Hi, of this. Winnie. You're in, girl. Um, so they want uh, the chapter that you have to offer this time around or this this um, this sort of folder of you. So, yeah, they come in with their own stuff. But I always remind that parents that they chose you because you have a whole library or information um, to offer. I don't think we all travel in packs. Um, again, it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. I've seen people come in with a tribe. I've seen people just be like, you know what? I wanted to sample this family and this modality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's infinite possibilities. Yeah. Um, All right. So where do we leave off? Um, no, that, that was fat. I mean, I've got Winnie on the boob right now. She's, she's with us and she's happy. (laughs) Um, good. I think, I think that was kind of the gist of it. Um, can you think of anything else? I mean, the funny thing was, you know how you told me Sufi that Winnie said about Carrie, oh, he's, he needs to get out on a motorbike and can I ride those as well one day? Oh, (laughs) she she already wants to ride a motorbike. Oh my God. Yes. I'm like, I'm cringing because I'm just, you know, like, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. Trust me, I've already had the conversation with her. It's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> good, good. I, Carrie took off that weekend on a motorbike, on a motorcycle ride, and uh, it was absolute medicine for the soul and exactly what he needed. So I can't help but think part of the imagery you were getting was for Carrie's higher self and a message from his higher self, maybe through Winnie saying, oh, hey, yes. you need to go out there and do something mm-hmm. good for your soul and this will probably give you the hit you need. Definitely. So, yeah. And so did you, during this reading, did you get most of the information through um, <coughs> visuals that you had to decode yourself? Or as you said before, you, you work in all of the senses. So were you feeling it, seeing it, hearing it? How did this particular reading land for you? Well, for this reading, I got all of the Claire's or most all of them, uh, because there was a piece, too, where I was um, when he was saying, oh, mom's milk was too sweet. And there was that piece. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, I had ice cream last night. Um, (laughs) So I got there's the taste. And then for hearing, that was the hand with holding brother's hand I heard that and visual for hawk I saw hawk Ah. um for uh you know a visual also with the motorcycles so uh I just get and then some of it is just a knowing um and just Uh feeling of like uh for choking I I literally feel like I'm choking a little bit Uh uh-huh uh-huh. Yeah. How about for the Bedouin, them being Bedouin nomads? That was a visual. That was a visual. Interesting. What era did, what did you see that as? I'm just curious. Gosh, like 17, 1800s. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you said it was the Saudi desert. Yeah. That's yeah. the Bedouin yeah. nomads. 
Wow. Interesting. And like kind of, maybe that's why you like the heat so much, Amber. Maybe. Hot blooded. Because like you all want to live in like warm places. You don't have any desire to live in anywhere cold. And maybe that's why I'm so obsessed with the ocean because, yeah, and you know, water. I was craving and that water. water. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. do. You I are mean, obsessed with water. Yeah, I am. That all makes perfect sense to me. And so, Sufi, you were saying that you do readings, obviously not just for babies, but if someone were to come to you for a personal reading and they didn't have a baby, you would you take those type of clients? Oh, yes, yes. So I do uh, soul sessions, I call them. And it's, it's exactly what I do in a baby reading, but I'm doing it with a grown person. And um, yep, do fertility issues with fertility. And I, I just want to add with fertility now that um, fertility is really tricky for a reader. And um, I will say that if clients want to come to me for fertility sessions, I just ask for donation only uh, because there's so many moving parts for fertility that I never want. And women, a lot of couples are paying out the nose to try and have a baby. And I just want to be supportive there. And I just want to put that out there because there's some, some aspects that are not appropriate or working with fertility clients so anyway i want to put that out there but yeah i do uh, i do many different things mediumship people who want to connect with loved ones on the other side um it's all on my website i kind of have a lot <laughs> there and, and is that sorry i just remembered that fertility you mentioning the fertility aspect of your work like you're able to see into that made me remember that you you mentioned um uh, a physical you said that you did a physical scan of Winnie's mm-hmm. body and you said that um if she had some intestinal issues and that if she was um spoken through the birth and the fear of the choking and all that was kind of concluded for her and also she was more grounded with big brother and just kind of involving her in our lives, communicating about what's going on, then that would soften the digestive issues. So you do medical Mm -hmm. intuition kind of sweeps through people's bodies as well, don't you? Yes, but I'm nowhere near as excellent as Anthony Williams, the medical medium. I would never say I'm a medical medium, but yes, I use that modality. Yeah. Uh, Amber, so I know that Winnie had been suffering from a co- like colicky type symptoms a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do, did you find after her session with Sufi that those did ease? Yeah, I, I she was kind of coming out of that anyway, but... I, I definitely, what I got out of this session was the importance of involving her in our day to day and communicating with her about what's going on, where we're going next and who that person was and what the noise was and really just involving her because even though, as you said, Sufi, she may not be able to understand the language, there's an energetic imprint behind conversations that she picks up on. And I think that eases the anxiety around all these new things she's experiencing. And is it safe? And who was that person? And what's that noise? So I started doing that. And she's been 
kind of really a dream baby, just very relaxed, very happy, not many issues. Um, and what other Valentine holds her hands a lot is kind of like a little trick now, and it calms her instantly. All of her intestinal stuff, like you said, Jenna, the colic that we were experiencing, that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. Wow. It's not really witching hour now. Wow. It's just mm. she just seems at ease in her nervous system and more confident. Uh, cue the drills. Um, <laughs> sorry. But Winnie's not crying. No, she's not crying. She's in my arms right now. Um, and, yeah, I just really got um, – that she's this own little being with me that deserves respect and to be involved with everything I do and communicated to. So wow, I love that. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow, the proof is in the pudding, huh? It is in the pudding. I that's that's my that's the most exciting thing about my work, and the baby readings are just my absolute favorite because. Um, I get to see, uh, because it can happen so quickly to see the adjustment just by speaking to them or, or having mom just be like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way because I had this experience at the birth and mom's nervous system settles, then babies. So loving to see that physical um, proof or demonstration of what was intuited. Amazing. Wow. So fascinating. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Sufi. Can you, do you have any more questions for Sufi Jenner or should we wrap up with where people can find Sufi? Well, I mean, other than personal questions about my own children, which I probably have to have a session with her to find out. Um, I think we covered a lot of fascinating terrain. So I think we're, Great. I think we're good. I think we could, um, Sufi. Why don't you let us know where people can find you? Because I know people are going to want to talk to you. Oh sure, at Spirit Baby Whisperer on Instagram, or um, at Soul Cartography on Instagram, and um, www.joynavigation.com. J o y n a v i g a t i o n. Yes. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was really a pleasure to have you. And I just want to affirm, validate, witness, you know, your work and what you're doing and how you're, um, you know, doing something new and different and just so thoroughly fascinating and helpful to moms and babies. And I think even for people who cannot ha have the ability to have an actual session with you, I think you give so much great insight into how we can talk to our babies, how they can understand the the in the communication behind our words and how um, just by involving them in the conversation, how that could be a game changer. Lovely. Well, that's my, my mission. You are doing incredible work, Sufi. Thank you so much for all of it. It has been really, really valuable for me and this little bubba's transition. So thank you. And I think Jenna has an invitation for our listeners. 
So for our listeners, try one of Sufi's tricks to communicate with your baby, or consider how you can further increase your intuitive communication with your children. And like we talked about during the episode, it doesn't have to be a little baby. I'm going to get off this call and discuss my children's births with them and some of the anxiety that I was having with early in their lives, which they might you know, not fully have understood. And we can have this conversation at any point, and um, so please bring these these tri- tips and tricks home with you and try one yep that's a good one i'm going to be continuing that one too and that's it for today's episode if you like today's episode which i can't see you would not please share it via itunes or instagram leave us a review subscribe and have a beautiful week thank you so much sufi for all of your wisdom and time it's been invaluable and fascinating and we just adore you so thanks sufi for being with us and for being oh, thank you, you. Yeah, you're doing incredible work. Oh, bless you. Bless you. I love your work as well. Have a beautiful (laughs) holiday. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.